We always come back to the big C here on Let's Talk About Sex. <laughs> Communication is key. I think porn would be so much sexier if we showed all the negotiations that went before each scene so that people could see, oh, okay, this body can take that, that body can't take that. Come on. Now I'm back in the studio with uh, my number one accomplice here, <laughs> Tanya Coons. We are on Let's Talk About Sex, celebrating 100 episodes. 100 episodes, Maya. How did this even happen? I, I really I have no <laughs> idea, but we got here. I have no idea. It's great looking back in the podcast. Though. There's so many things to look at. Yes, yes. Now, our first question, a bit of a longie, bit of goodie, I think, yeah. uh, comes in from a former texter who said, I've given and received anal with consenting people but never expected my partner to and she doesn't want to and only if she wants to would I do it with her. It has to be up to her pleasure. I don't want it as a favour. It's no fun when the partner is being violated. (laughs) Word to that. Yes. Uh, To push someone into it is very rapey grooming behaviour, so I'm in the tricky position that we may seek pleasures elsewhere but prefer to do it with consent from my partner. I'm very open, but my partner has problems talking. She just isn't comfortable talking about sex. What can I do? Oof. Okay, there's there's a fair bit in there. Big one. Um, It sounds like this person enjoys anal sex and their partner doesn't and they've spoken about it and they don't want to do anything that their partner doesn't choose to do for pleasure. Um, That's great Um, because not everybody likes everything that their partner likes. Mm. So it sounds like there's a great deal of respect there. And I'm curious, how did you come to understand this of your partner? There must have been some talking. Some discussion, About this, yeah. So I get it that a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about sex. I really do. Um, We all have bouts where we're good or not so good at it. And um, I think the trick here is to practice communications. Also, if they're able to go seek pleasure elsewhere, the communication component of that is going to be very important. Mm -hmm. So practicing your communication... And setting up safety, so what are the boundaries with the going outside, what are we allowed to do, what would be okay, what isn't okay. Mm. We really need to talk about that stuff in advance so there aren't any surprises. No. Right. I've always said when you're doing ethical non-monogamy, surprises aren't that much fun. So it's good if you could forward announce rather than back announce <laughs> what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> Very important. Um, and, and learn how to set up safety. And for the two of them, it might behoove them to do something like Betty Martin's three-minute game where people take it in turns in asking each other the type of touch they would like to either receive or give to their partner. But before they play that game, they do what we call setting up a container. Mm. And that container is the consent uh, component, which is what will happen, what won't happen, and who is it for? Mm. So it's sort of like, great, today we want to play this game for half an hour. We want to get a bit sexy. Um, who is this for? It's for me because I haven't hung out with you for a long time. Um, and what is what is going to happen, what we request um, within our boundaries. But what are things that might not happen today? Well, today might not have messing up my hair because I just went to the hairdresser. So tomorrow you can pull it and say giddy up, but not tomorrow, not today, right? <laughs> so things like that. Um, and then people get to practice asking for what they want, which is really tricky for most people. It's not an easy thing for, for every, everyone mm. and it gets better with practice. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, 
We always come back to the big C here on Let's Talk About Sex. <laughs> Communication is key. It really is. And the anal sex question, I get this so much in my private practice that mm. one person would like anal sex and the other person doesn't. And the person who really, really wants it can often feel very hard done by it because it's my most favourite thing ever. And I'm like, is it really? Has this been your favourite thing since you've started having sex or is it something that's really super interesting right now? Mm. And uh, what could you negotiate? Because sometimes, you know, sometimes it might be difficult to compromise on that. Sometimes it might be let's watch a bit of porn of that or we can talk about it or read some hot stories about it but do some other stuff. This person's got permission to go outside the outside the current relationship is 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 anal sex okay to ask for because some people that are that's okay but not that yeah yeah so yeah chatting about it and setting the parameters both within and outside of the relationship sounds very important for these people um i'm curious tanya in your experience uh is it very common for people to go through like phases of fantasies or of their desires that change frequently uh frequently is an interesting question um, but I do, like people come in and they do have um, interesting, they've got an interest in something because they've had a look or they've heard about it. They might have seen it at a, a sex on premises place or in porn. Mm. And they're like, I want to Want to give that. it a go, yeah. Yeah. And I think porn, oh my gosh, porn, it's responsible for so many incorrect ideas about how things work. Yeah. People come in and they've seen porn and they think this is how it works and they don't understand that porn is adult entertainment and it's often designed to highlight people's fantasies um, in, in regard to getting them off while they're masturbating mm. right so it's the highlights real it's not the whole it's skewed. everything yeah and and if people want to have anal sex you need to have time on your hands you don't just flip someone over and shove things in that's not how it works that part of the body isn't ready for that kind of activity it's what you might see on the porn but what you don't see is they've warmed those actors bodies up beforehand and they've yeah. used a lot of lube and they've done a lot of things and they've agreed to how they're going to do that it's it's all i think porn would be so much sexier if we showed all the negotiations that went before each scene so that people can see oh okay this, this body can take that that body can't take that etc so yeah with anal sex people need to learn a little bit about how to approach it and what to do and they need to be prepared to accept the answer no if their partner's not into it yeah yeah it can be an amazing part of the body to play with for some and an absolutely taboo no-go zone for others yeah very interesting next one that we got though tanya yes how do you navigate uh casual sex when you can't get hard and then try to continue having sex Right. Um, so this, this question was phrased when, when your partner can't get hard and they want to continue. Yeah. So um, great question, actually, because I think a lot of people get so nervous that they're going to go through the motions anyway mm. and sort of pretend like nothing is not going according to plan. Um, once again, we're coming back to the big old communication thing here. And <laughs> I get it that anxiety can make you absolutely terrified, like, oh, my gosh, things are not working in the way I anticipated but um, I think we all know we all know around the station here that I'm famous for saying you can have a lot of fun with a soft cock right <laughs> it doesn't have to be rock hard it is not like the porn um, you, and and my teachers taught me that um, penises are at their most sensitive when they're at 60 percent erect really yeah really right? yes this is a wonderful thing to know so listen out folks 
Um, and it's you know it doesn't always have to be about the P and V sex. Mm. I think when people are hooking up or they're nervous or if they're worried about their performance, they rush to get to that bit in case things go wrong. Totally. And they forget the delicious warming up journeys and wonderful outer course things that you can do that are non-receptive sex that are absolutely delicious. Yeah. And I think we've got another question later that sort of hooks into a little bit about this for that particular person, the way they have orgasms. But um, if, if things aren't going to plan, and if you're the partner of somebody, it could be that you stop the proceedings or just you know slow things down and say, hey, yeah. looks like you're a little bit nervous here. That's okay. You know, um, this kind of stuff makes people nervous. Is there anything you'd like? Or my favourite question, what could make this even better? If they're sort of not wanting to say anything and continue on, you could gently um, move their body a little bit or say, actually, this isn't working for me right now. Why don't we try this Mm. and see if we can come back to that? Um, So gentle suggestions about what might work for you if the other person's super anxious and trying to proceed down a pathway that may or may not be working for them. Mm. Now, another question that we got in was, how do I introduce BDSM into the bedroom? Also, how can I be a better dom? Yeah, what a good question that one is. BDSM seems to be all over the place at the moment. It's just everywhere and everybody wants to do it and get into it and mm. has seen a little bit. And uh, so I think, again, here we go again. It's the conversation part. Um, open conversation. Shock. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, open conversations with your partner or partners, um, expressing an interest like, oh, I saw this thing and I'm quite interested in trying that because BDSM is quite a, a broad range of activities. It actually stands for bondage and domination, sorry, bondage and discipline, domination, submission and sadism and masochism. So there's a whole bunch of things in that. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily equate to pain because a lot of people are like, oh, no, I don't like pain, so I'm not into any of that. But it can be restraint. It can be sensual domination, no pain. It can be a power exchange, which can be very, very hot mm. in in the right circumstances. So it's speaking about what it is you might like and li- might like to try. Maybe you could research together. Maybe you could present your partner with some ideas. This is, you know, I'm interested in this and the things I'd like to try with us look like this. How you feel about that? Um, give your partner um, a moment. Uh, to digest things you know they don't have to give an enthusiastic hell yeah straight away they might need to think about it depends depends on the kind of human they are Um, and maybe you can research together or maybe you can say look I bought this new toy this looks like fun Um, if it's an implement that uh, does uh, introduce pain into the equation you can offer that your partner tries it on you first so you can see how it feels if you want to play with it I always think that uh, and this leads into the how can I be a better dom yeah. A lot of people are excellent doms because they've subbed. Right? Mm-hmm. So do not do anything to your partner that you would not wish to have done to yourself. In fact, practice. Good shout. Yeah. If you're going to be hitting somebody or tying them up or doing something to them, try that out on yourself first so that you understand what happens to the skin, the body, the psyche. You understand what happens if you've been doing that for one minute, five minutes, ten minutes. Because when you get blood into certain parts of the body, different things can happen. Uh, and different, and you, you can tolerate a lot more when there's blood in the area. Yeah. But also the, thin, the skin can be a little thinner and you can break the skin without intention. So there's things like that. Um, also asking your partner, if we are going to play this way, how do you feel about marks on your body? 
uh, is that okay? Where can I put them? How do you feel about sending me photographs of those marks the next day? Um, talk about aftercare. If we were going to play like this, what would you need after doing something like this? And check in on them for the, the days after. Like, how are you feeling? That was a bit intense what we tried or it was different. Um, how you know some people get a, a bit of a vulnerability hangover or yeah. top drop if you're the dom, or you can be in subspace, which can be a very lovely place to be and a little bit tricky to come out of. So checking in with people what they need. Some people need a cuddle, and they're on their way. Other people need you know orange juice, blankets to debrief the whole scene, talk about it the next day. Depends on who you are. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Lots of possibilities there. Um, we've got a couple extra questions on 0409945945. Wondering who is the best medical person to remove genital warts? Tanya, who is it? It's, uh, I thought that was uh, they were making a specific request for a doctor's name, but uh, <laughs> I have since worked out what kind of doctor. Um, with this stuff, I would suggest your starting point should be a sexual health clinic or your doctor if you trust them really well, and they can have a look at the situation and see what is needed. Um, if you need uh, to have things removed, uh, usually going to, um, it depends on your genitals, a gynecologist or a urologist, and a lot of those actually specialise in dermatological conditions. So your doctor should have a list of folks um, that will be in your area and near you uh, to recommend to go see about this but yes it'll wind up it might be one or two appointments with different people till you get to a specialist who's going to do the right job for you interesting okay yeah. um now we've got another one coming in on how do i introduce the idea of a threesome to my partner yes. i feel like there's a lot of stigma around a question like this <laughs> yes i think anything to do with opening up a relationship often elicits the response from the partner who's being requested What's wrong with me? And the answer is absolutely nothing, right? Um, so people do this because it's it's something of interest. It's really hot on the porn. They might have done it before. So um, letting the partner know that there's nothing wrong with them, but this is something that we could do together that might be fun. Mm. Um, I sometimes, uh, you know, uh, will be a little cheeky and ask, do you have someone in mind? Um, if it's a very insistent person, and uh, yeah, we've had this before, where we've had guys saying, I have to have a threesome while my relationship's over. I'm like, oh, okay, right. Have you got another guy in mind that you want to do this with? And they look at me askance. I'm like, what's the matter? You want to have a threesome? And they're like, oh, yes, but only with two women. So we then have a conversation about, well, how how did that genital configuration become the one that's going to work? Have you checked in with your partner? What What is it that you want? What do you require from folks that you want to play with? Because I should hope that it's not focused that way. It's focused no. on the individuals and the kind of things that you'd like to get up to. So it would be, I've been having a thought about something. I'd like to talk to you about it. This is in no way a reflection on you or us, or our relationship. It's something that I'd like to try. Yeah, um, yeah. And giving the partner a lot of time to respond, uh, but really letting them know, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Common response, but not the case. But also... That question is not a fast track to, okay, suddenly we're going to be in a throuple either. Yes, no, that's right. And it could be like, yeah, the partner could say, oof, I'm a bit nervous about this, but I'm open to chatting about it a mm. little more. Um, and you can say, I'm not in a hurry. I don't want to put any pressure on for something like this. I think we should speak about it quite a bit. Yes. And work out the, the what ifs, you know, the questions that come into your mind, like, oh, what if you like it more than me? Or what if one of us changes our mind? Or what if it's not going well? How do we manage that? 
answer all those questions in advance. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, backtracking for just a moment, the same question is wondering uh, about the removal of genital warts. They wanted to clarify that oh. it's not to go to a skin cancer clinic. Oh, yeah, no, 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 not a skin cancer clinic. It would be um, a gynecologist or a urologist that uh, specialises in dermatological complaints, yes. I think, or a sexual health clinic. So Sydney Sexual Health Clinic in the Macquarie Centre, Macquarie Street, is probably a really good starting place because they do everything there and they know all of the things about all of the things and they do a lot of research in that hospital there too. There's also a queer GP clinic in Darlinghurst. I think it's called Darlinghurst uh, Medical... Sydney Doctors? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sydney Doctors is yeah. one. There's there's also Darlinghurst Medical Centre, I think. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, Dr Brad Mackay, who's uh, our fabulous... Um, uh, TV medical guy, he's at East Sydney Doctors and there's a lot of really great doctors there so I always give them big ups. Mm. Ask around. Um, often friends have had a, a good experience with a sexual health practitioner. ACON has a list of um, sexual health practitioners that are great for queer and LGBTQIA folks. Go and have a look at their, their hub because you can get a lot of names of really good doctors who are not going to... Um, mix up complaints and pathologise you for being the human that you are. No, we don't want that. We mm. don't want that at all. Um, now, we have another question. I've never had an orgasm during intercourse before. Am I normal? Oh, my goodness. Um, this question, I am going to assume this has come from a person with a vulva, right? Um, and I would say resounding yes, right? Because research shows that for folks with vulvas... Um, only 28% of people can orgasm through receptive sex alone, right? Uh, and I think that this is, it's a revolving 28% because it really depends on the how far away your introitus, which is the entrance of your vagina, is from your clitoris, um, what size or shape thing is penetrating you, um, the angle, mm. and what's going on, right? So that's a, that's a revolving door. That's a moving feast. Um, and it's not really the way that most folks with vulva um, have an orgasm. There was research done in response to the orgasm gap that said you need the golden triangle, which is deep kissing, hand manipulation, and oral sex for folks with vulva. Those three things are more likely to lead the to The golden an orgasm. triangle. Yeah, they're calling it the golden triangle. I'm like, ma, okay. Okay. Your researchers and your sexy names. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, super interesting question, I think, this next one. Someone's wondering, is there a difference between asexuality and having a sexual trauma? From what I have read, asexuality can be caused by sexual trauma, and if so, is there a way to heal through that? Right. Um, this is a great question. Um, asexuality is really regarded as a sexual orientation of having no sexual desire or attraction towards other people. Mm. Trauma is a response to something that has happened to you. So not feeling like sex or losing an interest in sex can absolutely 100% be a trauma response. But I would not define that as asexuality. I'd probably say that's um, loss of libido or um, uh, celibacy mm. or just, a dis you know, I'm responding to what's happened to me and my body's shutting down and I, I'm not interested or not able to have sex at the moment while I'm sorting out my trauma. And that, for some people, can be a number of years. Asexuality, on the other hand, it, it's like most of our spectrums can move. So some folks can be 
asexual their whole life. Um, lots of asexual people get into relationships. It doesn't mean you can't have feelings of love. Yeah, you can be aromantic, asexual. You can be um, what is it? Demisexual. Need to have a friendship before you can, or some sort of relationship before you're interested in being sexual. There's a whole different bunch of things you can be in asexuality and it's not something to heal from. Mm. A very prominent uh, Sydney sex therapist once wrote an article for the Sydney Morning Herald about curing asexuality, which uh, horrified a number of colleagues and myself. Not the way forward. Asexuality, it's just an orientation, like many other things. I am not attracted to or interested in sex. Um, Does that mean those people don't have sex? No, it does not. It means sometimes um, asexual folk don't choose not to. Some asexual folks do have sex because they know they're in relationships, they love their partner, they want to do that. So maybe for for them, instead of feeling the tingling and annoyance, it's about a decision to have sex. It's more about the responsive desire model that we've spoken about here Mm. before. Now, another person is wondering, what can I do if I feel unhappy with my body or, or unsexy? Oof. That's a big question. Mm. Um, and so many people do. Um, I like to get people said, start with thanking your body for the amount of pleasure that it's able to give you. It doesn't matter what size or shape your body is, you are still capable of having pleasure. Mm. Right? So I would hope that if, if you're not feeling very sexy, you can still take time with yourself. And this is a great way to explore how you feel sexy, what works for you, and to remind yourself that it feels great to have that nice sexual energy charging through your body, mm. right? So um, the first thing I would suggest is masturbate, right? Have a go and um, feel how, how nice your body can feel. When we're getting in the way, of, when it gets in the way of us having fun with other people, remember the people who are choosing to have sex with us know what we look like. They can see us, right? I always remember a housemate of mine telling me once, Titans, why don't you put your pictures of your booty in your dating profile and I was like oh well what if people don't like it and they were like well yeah but the, your booty is going to come on the date with you isn't it <laughs> and I was like oh gosh you have a point and she said yeah you know what the only thing you can do with that girlfriend is celebrate <laughs> and I was like mm, okay and I realized too because what is the point of trying to Pretend. date people or be attracted to or ha- attract other people who aren't attracted to the kind of person that you are that is going to end in tears and you're not feeling good about yourself. Yeah, for you know? sure. So since that day, my catch cry has always been, God bless people who love curvy women, right? <laughs> there's, there's people out there for everyone. And the way that you look, it's about, the, the way to feel sexy is to have confidence in your body. And I know that's hard when you've got media telling you you need to look a certain way, behave certain ways, have this colour hair, this colour eyes, wear this colour clothes. But it's not true. And if you speak to most people... They will find people who are flirty, sexy, sexually confident, really desirable. Yeah. And that that can take some time to step into. There's a little journey over here. But um, it's well worth it when you're just sort of like, okay, I know that the people that are interested in me really are interested in me and isn't that great and let's get on with the having fun part. Yeah, plus I feel like sometimes, you know, if you're particularly having a bad, like, body feeling day maybe you need to turn to the activities that aren't rooted in your appearance that can help you feel a little bit 
better and more at ease and feel empowered in that sense as a way to kind of get by and cope with things. Yeah, I do want to say, though, that for a lot of folk, there's um, real body dysmorphia. Yeah. Um, And that that can be related to gender. It can actually be related to just not being okay with how they are and presenting in the world. And I I get that. Mm. Um, That one's a lot tougher because that one sort of comes in and out as well, that um, people can have sexy moments, people can have not sexy moments. Um, I think that one is going to be about checking in with yourself and, again, trying to build that confidence around this is what I've got and what I'm working with or trying to, yeah, it's, it's, it's so tricky because it changes almost minute by minute for some folks. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's around choosing folks that are going to be across that. And, you know, by having these conversations, we're hoping that more and more people can be across that and understand it because a lot of people just f- fail to understand yeah, yeah. that people can have a complicated relationship with their body and that some days they can be absolutely fine and other days they can be absolutely not fine. Yeah, and I mean that totally not to be reductive on like... Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just wanted to make sure we covered the full because there are a lot of people who are like, if only I could lose three kilos then I could have sex. And I'm like, oh, goodness me. I think you can do that right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, ending with an absolute bang is this last question... I already know what you're going to say. This is oh, a big question. Oh. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to someone who watches taboo porn but doesn't want to and is scared to talk about it? Yeah, it is a cracker question. Um, taboo porn, and they don't want to watch the taboo porn. No, they don't want to talk about it. Oh, they don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, a lot of people don't want to talk about what they watch on porn or what they get off to. Um, I think I've spoken before that we've... this. There's, we have these three sort of realms that we operate in. There's the public realm mm. that we operate in. So people might know that um, what your gender is, who you're dating, what your job is, what your hair color is, that sort of thing, public knowledge. Then there's um, private, which is, you know, this is, I know what, you know, you know what gets your partner off. You know what people like, you know, their favorite restaurant, that sort of thing. And then there's the personal realm, which is your stuff. So what's in your spank bank or what you really think about your boss, you know, those sorts of things. That is yours and yours alone, right? I, I think a lot of couples want to talk about what the other looks at at porn or what their fantasies are. But if you don't feel comfortable sharing that, you don't have to. Mm. Yeah. So if you're looking and, and whose idea is where does the taboo come from? Is that the person asking the question, the person viewing the porn, society, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, it's tricky because some porn is illegal and you really don't want to be going there if you can help that because it's all monitored. Um, I had a client once who uh, really wanted to look at porn that was illegal just because, because it was the naughtiness of it rather than the interest. Right. And um, they lurked around in rooms with pedophiles and it was not a good, not a great thing to do, but they said the electric bolt that went through their body when they pressed the button to order the porn was was what the thrill was. It wasn't the porn, but then it brought the police down on them and got them a record and, oh, yeah, no. it was really... I actually understand why. It was for non... Not the reasons of the content of the porn. It was much more about them and their life and what was happening, but the consequences of that were horrendous. Yeah. So there is some sort of taboo like that and and there also is a lot of porn that is named after taboo topics but is very run-of-the-mill, so to speak porn Mm. so it's more about 
is this your partner? Do you want to be able to talk to them about things that turn them on? Maybe a gentler conversation rather than insisting about looking at, at talking about what you're looking at or calling it taboo mm. as well. Maybe checking in and saying, "You, how do you go with that sort of stuff? Is, are you comfortable with it? Uh, you know, maybe checking in that sort of stuff. Is that stuff you want to act on? Yeah. Because, you know, we talked, we've spoken before about rape fantasies. I think, um, uh, oh, I can't remember her name now. Nancy Friday, she got people all around the world to write in fantasies to her and her last book was called Women on Top mm. and uh, one third of that book was devoted to rape fantasies. That is a lot Jeez. of people fantasizing about that but not wanting that to happen to them in real life. Yeah, mm. A lot of people have homoerotic fantasies but you know, don't want to cross swords or do anything. It's up to them. What we think about that gets us off is not necessarily what we want to do. I think that's a really important thing to understand that our brains are very murky, interesting places um, and not necessarily predictors of future actions. Yeah, I think that's a perfect point to end on today. <laughs> Thanks so much to all of your questions. Yes, um, thank you. We're going to be back with Let's Talk About Sex in a couple weeks. Yes, I'm heading off to New Zealand. And you're going to enjoy it. Yes, doing some teaching over there. Um, Thanks so much for popping through today, Tanya. Yeah.